Good morning, Sailorville, once again. If you brought a copy of Scripture with you, you can find the book of Hebrews in the 10th chapter. Hebrews chapter 10. As you make your way there, just out of curiosity, how many of you uh, have friends and family that are living in Florida right now? Just raise your hand. That's a whole bunch of you, okay? I, so your hearts are there. I have family that's there. And uh, Irma is doing its nasty work right now on that, uh, on that peninsula. And why don't we just pray right now uh, as we get into God's word uh, for that situation. Our Father and our God, the scripture that came to my mind this morning was the one from the Psalms where you are described as sitting on your throne at the flood. And you sit as king forever. There is no time in this world, no matter how confusing, no matter how heavy, no matter how devastating, that you are not there in full expression of your glory and sovereignty and charge. And yet, Lord, we're people. We're people created by you. And we're in this sin-cursed world. And even the very elements that we live and breathe are cursed. And uh, the state of Florida, Lord, as you are so well aware is undergoing uh, an expression of that curse. And we pray and thank you, first of all, Lord, for uh, those who were wise and evacuating people and getting them out of harm's way, and yet there are still people in harm's way as it makes its way up the western side of that peninsula. And we pray that you would have mercy. We pray not for property. We pray for people. And we ask that you protect and bless and help those who are going to be in a world of mess after this goes through. And I pray, Lord, that as they as individuals work to prevent the mess, the community of Florida would come together to help as they did in Texas and are even doing now. Uh, Comfort every heart here because everybody has a thought toward a certain family, individual, friend, loved one who's hurting or enduring all of this. So we do pray for those individuals whose uh, our individual hearts are upon right now. And uh, we ask your blessing and help us now, Lord, turn our, as, uh, as children, uh, as a father would uh, grab the chin of a, of a child, would you take ours and point our faces towards you as we open up your word now in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Hebrews chapter 10. I want to start with the text itself. Hebrews chapter 10. And beginning in verse 19, I want you to see if you can find the three invitations that are given in this passage. There's three of them. And here we go. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way. The word new means fleshly slain. It's a direct reference to the crucifixion of Jesus. And yet living way, that's a direct reference to his resurrection. This is the gospel that he opened to us through the curtain. That is through his flesh. That's a picture of the temple, the holy place, the holy of holies separated by the curtain, the curtain tore as Jesus died for our sins. And it's picturing him taking us through that tent. 
Verse 21, and since we have a great priest, not one who dies, but one who lives forever over the house of God, here's the first invitation. Let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Here's the second invitation. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is what? Say it. And here's the third invitation. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, the return of Jesus, that is, drawing near. Have you ever noticed when a hurricane is barreling down, be it Texas or Louisiana, or in this case, or the eastern seaboard, in this case, Florida, have you ever noticed the before and after what people are doing? Before, it's every man for himself. Grab the wood, grab the, you know, whatever it is, you slam it up against the windows. Every individual, every family buttoning up their places, doing everything they can to prepare for this, this disaster that's impending, that's coming. And then afterwards, it's not every man for himself, it's the community coming together, isn't it? And they're helping, and they're assisting and they're encouraging, and they're cleaning up the mess. Why is that? Why is it so individual before and so corporate? It's so community afterward. Well, the answer is because the situation afterward is so overwhelming that just one person by him or herself can't handle it on their own. And to me, this hurricane upon us right now is a, is a testimony of life itself. At some point, at many points actually, we need community. We need others to come in when everything is so overwhelming. The floods of the life, so to speak, the rain, the current, the, the devastation, is, 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 it's called hurts, it's called heavy, it's called sins. And we need other people, we need community to come in around us to deliver us, to help to deliver us, to support us, to help us to persevere. And help us to understand what it means to live again in community and love one another. We all need community at some point. Even you, even you, you independents out there. How, how many of you, be honest, are very independent? Just raise your hand. You're really independent. That's right. You can leave now. I'm kidding. No, you that are independent, you, you, are, you who are the ones who say, I don't need no help from nobody ever. You mark my words, there is a day coming when you will need somebody else. You'll need their help, you'll need their assistance, you'll need their care, and they will literally, in some cases, be physically carrying you. And yes, even though you independents hate to have anybody else make decisions, there's going to come a day where somebody's going to be making decisions for you. If you're a Christian, the community is called the church. We are the church of God at Sailorville. 
purchased, we are God's church, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are a local assembly of people of God. We're not a, we're not a building, we are a building of people. Worshiping Jesus and reaching his world. That's what we do. Would you like to join us? No, I'm serious. Would you like to join us? The writer of Hebrews has extended three invitations of what it means to be a part of his community, the church. Draw near to God. Hold fast to his promises. And consider one another for stirring up love and good works. I'd like to extend those invitations to you this morning and ask you to consider becoming an active member of the Church of God right here at Sailorville, if you're around here. Just from the reading of the text, the first thing, if you want to become a part of this community, you need to know that you enter the church through faith. That's how you enter the church. I know that some of you think, well, I entered the church through that door out there. No, you entered the building through that door out there. You entered the church by faith. And that's why the scripture tells us, draw, let us, verse 22, draw near. Draw near to God. Now, the, now the Hebrews is a Jewish book. It was written to Jewish people who were coming to know Jesus as their Messiah. And because it's so Jewish to the Jews, God was so great, so awesome, so fearful, so unapproachable. Everything about their system said, keep out. Really did. In fact, the only time the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies was just one time a year with the blood. He'd sprinkle it and get out as quickly as he could. Even in the first century when this book was written, uh, the Jews had put a plaque up within the temple precinct that was written to Gentiles, which is most of us, that said, you can't go any farther. If you do, you do so on pain of death. And yet the scripture says, draw near. It tells us that because, because Jesus came. Jesus came, who is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus came, who was not like those priests. He was like, he is our high priest who can sympathize with all of our weaknesses. He understands our struggles, our hurts, our heavies that we go through individually, and he can relate to us even though he never sinned. And so we're told now it's a whole new day when we can come boldly into the throne of grace to find mercy and grace in our time of need. It's a new and it's a living way. This is how we draw near to God. Not by works, not by keeping the Ten Commandments like Dan and Amy were trying to do, not by moralism, not by doing good, not by being religious, not even by being baptized. We draw near to God through faith. Baptism can't save us. We need pure water, heavenly cleansing. We need one who could tear that curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies and bring us in there with him. And that's what Jesus does. And it's by faith, but please note the kind of heart you need. Please note it says you have to have a true heart in full assurance of faith. You see that there? You have to have a true heart. Everybody here has got a heart. 
But if the scripture tells us we have to have a true heart, doesn't that presuppose that there are false hearts? Jesus told us that. He told us in Matthew 15, or he said in Matthew 15, you people draw near me with your mouth. You honor me with your lips, but your what? Your hearts. They're far from me. They're far from me. You need a true heart. You enter the church by faith with the true heart. After all, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, if God has your heart, he's got all of you, your intellect, your emotion, your will, and it changes everything, as we say so often around here. God gave me a true heart 35 years ago this week. And it was this very passage of scripture that he used to open up my eyes. The verses a little bit earlier, every priest stands daily and ministers repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after offering one sacrifice, sat down at the right hand of God. And the veil came off my eyes and I saw that Christ alone could save me. He gave me a true heart on that day and I was delivered. The first invitation is to you who are lost and there are many of you out there that are. You already heard it in the baptismal. Your religion won't save you. Your church won't save you. Only God can save you. And by the way, we're talking about community, and my guess is if you are saved, you didn't get saved on your own. Somebody had to come and tell you about it, right? Several people in stereo were coming to me and talking to me about Jesus, and I fought against it, I fought against it, I fought against it, until God gave me a true heart. And I broke. The community of faith came after me. And I was delivered. Draw near to God and you'll enter his church by faith. The second invitation is hold fast. You enter the church by faith. Now listen to this. You persevere in the church by hope. Just take a look at verse 23 where we're told let us hold fast the confession of our, say it, hope without wavering. For he, that's God, who promised, and that's what our hope is based on, the promises of God. He's faithful. The promises of God, when we, when we hold fast, and that allows us to persevere, this gives to us hope. The reformers called this the perseverance of the saints. Have you ever heard that? The perseverance of the saints. In, in many of our circles, we like to say if a person truly trusts Jesus, they have eternal security or the security of the believer. How many of you have heard that, right? Okay, many of you have. That's actually not a biblical expression, by the way. It's true if you have trusted Jesus, you are secure in Christ. But the more biblical expression is what the reformers gave us. They said if you've truly trusted Jesus... If you have truly come into the church through faith, God, by his Holy Spirit and his promises, allows you to persevere through thick and thin. That's why they call it perseverance of the faith. It doesn't matter what the world, the devil, and the flesh can throw at you. If your salvation, if your faith is real, you will power through. And it won't be on your own. God will do it. And he'll give you his promises that you cling to. And you need community for that. I mean, how many here have not had a time where you were just so down, you were so low, you were so heavy, and then somebody came in and gave you a word of truth. And it was like, whew, right back up again, right? 
That's a promise from God, from the word of God, and that, that buoys us up with hope. We persevere in the church by hope, and that hope comes by way of community. That's why we need one another. That's why this text says later on, don't, don't neglect meeting together. That's why we come together regularly so that we can get that support that helps us to persevere. If you are familiar with the famous uh, book, The Pilgrim's Progress, Christian is making his way to the celestial city. and He gets into a funk. He ends up into a place called Doubting Castle. Many of us have been there. We struggle with doubt. And, and, uh, and he is just, and the, the castle's uh, uh, owner is called, he's an ogre called Giant Despair, who beats on Christian and his friend and tortures them in this dungeon. And he's about ready to kill himself. They're ready to just kill themselves. And suddenly, as the story has it, Christian remembers that he has this key in his pocket and he pulls it out. The key is called promise. It represents the promises of God. And he, it, the key fits the door, the dungeon door, he, he, he's, and he's free. The promises of God help us to persevere. It gives us freedom from all these things that so heavily weigh us down, Right? There's a gal in our church. This is so fresh right now. I can't name her. She came to Christ. Her situation is so dire, so difficult, so heavy. But I have watched the community of the saints come around her and bolster her up, speaking truth to her, giving her God's promises, and she is shining for the glory of God in spite of all these heavies, and it encourages the rest of us. She's persevering. God's God's helping her to persevere, and he's using the house of God, the community of the saints, to do so. So the first invitation, if if you're lost, you draw near to God by faith. And the second one is you persevere by holding fast to the promises of God. One more invitation, and it's in those familiar verses, 24 and 25. Let us consider you know, one another, to stir up love and good works. You progress in the church through love. The third invitation is let us consider one another. It's hard to start loving on someone before you start thinking upon someone. You have to think about them, don't you? The Greek word consider has that idea, it means to think down. It doesn't, it doesn't mean to be condescending. It means to, to give deep consideration, to think very thoughtfully, to be very attentive. That's what the word means. And the community of the saints does that. We, if, you're, if you're in the church, you have people thinking about you. They're considerate of you. And, and, and to what end? So to stir up, look at that, to stir up love and good works. The one should lead to the other, Right? I mean, according to Ephesians chapter 1, we are the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. A body, by definition, is the manifestation of the person. Think about this. The church of Jesus Christ is the, is the physical manifestation of the body of Jesus. In, in, uh, intended to stir one another up to both love and to good works until Jesus comes and takes us home. That's what the word, until the, you know, the, we see the day approaching. That's what that's all about. 
That's why we have cell groups. That's why we have small groups of people that meet together, nearly a thousand of them, in pools of people. Community. With the idea that they can stir one another up to both love and to good works and encourage one another along the way. By the way, what does it mean to stir up? You see that there? Stir up. If you have a NIV, the word spur. If you got the NLT, it says motivate. If, you got, if you're still toting an NASB, it says stimulate. If you got the Catholic version of the Bible, it says, it says uh, rouse. They all kind of convey the same thing. It almost sounds like a coach. Get out there and win one for that gipper. Except that's not what the word means. I would argue that all of those are poor translations. I get what the translators were trying to convey. You know what the best translation is of this word? It's the old King James. Anybody know what it says? Provoke. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good work. Provoke? Seriously? We're supposed to provoke one another? This isn't meant to be a carte blanche to those of you who like a fight. But when you think of provoke, don't you think of starting an argument? Don't you think of contention? And that is exactly what the word means. In fact, the only other time that this word is used in the New Testament is when Paul and Barnabas are in a verbal fight over John Mark who had abandoned Paul at another time. And the scripture says, and there arose a sharp disagreement. There's the word. Same word. So they separated from one another. This Greek word means to, it literally means to irritate. Which means God often uses those who irritate us to help us progress. Now, my wife and I were in Hawaii for our anniversary. By the way, I've got enough illustration for about six months on this Hawaii trip, so just bear with me. So we're, uh, we're, we're on our Hawaii trip, and we're going to the first beach, you know. The water's nice, but, you know, you got to kind of make your way. And then the waves are crashing in and going back out again. People are body surfing. And we're just sort of making our way out there, you know. And uh, we're up to about our waist, trying to get used to it. And all of a sudden, this guy with his goggles comes splashing by us, splashing all. I mean, he gives us a Presbyterian baptism going right over the top of us. I'm thinking there's a whole ocean out there. Could you go like five feet around us? I mean, I've got salt in my eyes, and I'm very irritated. And just then he comes up out of the water with some glasses, and he gives them to Marilyn. He says, did you lose these? He'd seen them fall off her head, dove into the water before the waves, the waves took them back out, saved the glasses, and gave them to Marilyn. I looked at him, and I go, Thank you. <laughs> and I learned something. The one that was irritating me was really my friend. And if we're going to understand how to progress in love, then we got to understand that some of the people that irritate us are really doing us a favor. But some of you refuse to believe that. Your defense mechanisms come up. You defend yourself. You make excuses. You write it off. 
instead of humbling yourself and repenting and seeing that these people are actually doing me some good. This is the church. You enter the church by faith. You persevere in the church with hope and the promises of God. And you progress in the church in love. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is what? It's love. Is it any wonder that the aged apostle John, as tradition has it, was, would be carted into church when he was old. The only one who wouldn't die for his, in martyrdom amongst the apostles. And the church would say, Brother John, do you have a word for us? And John would always raise his hand and say, yes, little children, love one another. Even when it irritates you. Let's pray. God, we're thankful today that we can have a full expression of worship, praying for those in need, hearing wonderful stories of your saving grace in Dan and Amy's life, singing songs of praise that lift up Jesus and the, the incarnate word and the written word of God as well. And then opening up the word and reminding ourselves that we are the church of you, of God, at Sailorville. I pray for those who, in this room, and there are no doubt many of them, they're religious, but they're lost. That would be you. Think about this. If that's your heart is touched right now, you would say, I want to draw near to God. Now, I realize my religion, my church, my good works won't save me. I want to enter the church by faith with a true heart. Would you trust Jesus right now? Would you believe that he died and rose again for you? And would you place your faith in him right now with your heart? Some of you, it seems like you're just hanging on by a thread. You know Jesus, but maybe you've been a little bit outside of community and you need to come back in because we're here for you. To bolster you up with a word of encouragement, speak into your heart with God's promises that help us to persevere. God, I pray that all of us here would remind ourselves from this scripture that to be stirred up to love and good works means sometimes we have to be irritated. And while we never want to make that a, a mission in life to irritate someone else, I pray, Lord, as the irritations come, we would receive them and bless you for them as they help us in our progress in the faith and in love. We pray all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.